Paul is thankful for Thessalonians and their reception of the Word of God, which always works. It always works. And Colossians 1 says, You heard the word of truth, the Gospel. Then in verse 6, Colossians 1, which has come to you just as in all the world also is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard and understood the grace of God in truth. Well, that's a mouthful, isn't it? So since the very moment that the Thessalonians heard the Gospel, the the Gospel of God, they understood, the Word immediately began to work and it will always work in the believer. Sometimes it doesn't seem like the Word of God is working in us, but it is working. And, you know, you think of the Thessalonians, and of course we saw it there. That was just a little short glimpse. There isn't really much to speak about there. It was only a few weeks or so that Paul was there. They only had the opportunity to hear the truth for a really short time. Um, we know it was taught for the three Sabbaths there in the synagogue. Uh, and, of course, you know... He, he reasoned the scripture to them, and uh, he stayed on preaching for that for that little short time, uh, and weeks at best. And, and you think of Paul; he's thrilled with the whole history of the Thessalonians. Uh, if you've been with us, you know, in studying this, you, you know exactly how Paul feels as we've gone into chapter two and as we arrive at uh, verse thirteen tonight. Uh, this is a—I've always liked this one verse anyway, but. Paul is, you know, right from chapter 1, how important that the Thessalonians were to him and beloved by God and um, their faith, their hope, their love, um, the power of God's Spirit in them. And they became imitators uh, of Paul and the apostles. And they became an example to all the believers in the whole area there. So what an effect it made. And it sounded forth, right? All over Macedonia. And so, this ministry among the Thessalonians was an incredible thing. It's kind of interesting. We were in chapter 1, now we're in chapter 2. Then he keeps on going with this same kind of thought. He doesn't really get into the main theme of really what Thessalonians is about until chapter 4. Because he's concerned about their thought of um, what happens when we die. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about the rapture in chapter 4 which is really, when you think of Thessalonians, that's one of the the key elements. But here it is for three chapters. uh, He talks about his fascination and the work of God that is evidence. I mean, it's just blatant evidence of God has really done something in these guys. And He's not giving glory to them. Uh, He's giving thanks for them, but the glory is to God of the amazing work. And you look at your own life and you really start thinking about it over the course of years, and you go, wow, I'm, I couldn't have done any of that. And, and it comes from the very outset. Look what this Word of God ha- has done. It's the Word of God that does it. So anyway, uh, they have a faith that works. and We talked about that. And of course, the Word has been sounding forth. They're waiting for the return of Christ. They know about that theology too. I think they're a very noble church as... Uh, of course, the Bereans were even more noble than the Thessalonians. That's amazing there. But uh, the evidences of uh, genuineness of these Thessalonians in that church is incredible. And Paul is just moved. Moved to thank God for what has happened to them in this short amount of time. So, the Bible study tonight that we have is here to encourage us again as we ponder on the Word of God and what it does. As we have a high view of God, a high view of Scripture, I pray that we'll have even a higher view of the Word of God when we walk out of here tonight. In just looking at a few of these Scriptures that we've all heard and read, but yet we concentrate on those verses, especially at the very last of what we're going to be looking at. I think it will... um, uh, make us think on this supernatural work that God has done with us. So we, we constantly remind each other to continue in the Word, don't we? I mean, you know, we should be doing that. Hey, stay in the Word, you know, stay in the Word. Of course, was it Mark Lowry named his bed the Word? <laughs> 
and somebody call him up five o'clock in the morning to see how spiritual he was, and to say, Hi, "What are you doing?" Uh, I'm in the Word. In the word. <laughs> anyway, let's let's pray. This is the thing we need the most, folks. We need the Word of God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this Word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, because with those two <coughs> divine, amazing, powerful elements, you and you are the very source of the Word of God. You are the Word of God, Lord. And may Your Word continue to take more and more effect on us and that we would take Your Word seriously and not to ever forget it for a day or two, but to constantly know that You are wanting to speak to us and You're wanting us to be revived constantly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we have really three parts here. It's um, Thessalonians received the Word of God. And also in that verse, in verse 13, they accepted the Word of God. And we'll see the difference between those two words. And then they applied the Word of God. And then we're going to see how the Word of God is working in us. We say that quite frequently. Boy, it's great to see the Word of God working in us, or the Lord working in us. And then we look to see what that does. But it takes being in the Word for Him to work in us as we allow Him to do that. So first of all, we'll read this. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So they just didn't hear the Word and accept it, but we see that it's performing its work in us. Amazing thing. So Paul says constantly, thank you. And that's kind of like what he has said before. Remember in verse 2 of chapter 1? We give thanks to God. How often? Always. For all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bear in mind your work of faith, labor, love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the focus of it all. In the presence of God and and Father. Um, He had a thankful heart. He knows the source of all this. Of course, the spiritual progress is, is always... Um, recognizing the source of of it, where it comes from. When he wrote to the Romans in uh, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. That was the Romans. Of course, that was uh, the heart of all the world, I guess you could say, in, in one sense, and politically, and economically, and culturally, that uh, he thanked God through Christ for all of them because of the faith, and it was being proclaimed. The Thessalonians had the same thing; their faith was being sounded out, trumpeted out all over the the known world. So I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, and I think He's always acknowledged that it, it is God who has the power. God is the resource of this. It was God doing the work. You see that constantly where Paul mentions that. And his own experience with them. He saw this happening with them. When somebody is that fired up to receive the Word of God and then to live it and to give it, this was a genuine conversion. There's no doubt about it. And he knew it was it was all God that did it. So the the spiritual growth that they had was marvelous. It was tremendous. It was very quick. It was already reaching the world. Boy, that's a church to rejoice over, isn't it? So that's why I can say this this book is one of the most encouraging books on the church. Um, they were a church to be thankful for, and that's why the word the word of God has to be the chief element in, in the church. That's what it's all about. 
And so he says, here's the reason. For this reason. Here's the reason why I'm so thankful for you. And he gives a threefold reason. And we can see that uh, it's receiving the Word that it starts off with here. We constantly thank God that when you receive the Word of God, uh, we we had the Acts 17, 1 through 4. We had that read through uh, to us and uh, on the video there. Uh, the Word, and that that's at Thessalonica. That's where it all started. And so some of them were convinced of this Word that came from God. Uh, word is paralambano. It means to receive. It means to to hear outwardly. It's an outward work in a sense. Um, it means literally to accept from another. You know, you 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 hear them. So it's it's an outward, external kind of hearing. You know, you hear it, but it's more than just you know noise. It it's it's a it's something that is really taking effect. And in their case, the soil had already been prepared. That's really what happens. That's why they were able to receive it. Kind of reminds you of the four soils, doesn't it? One of them, one of those four soils, was where the hearts had been prepared. The soil had been prepared. So he, he came in uh, to the, the synagogue, reasoned with them, synagogue for three Sabbaths. They listened to him. They heard what he had to say. You know, there's one thing about hearing, and then there's another thing about hearing. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. Hearing by ear, but then a hearing here. And that's the kind of hearing that this is uh, talking about. This is the Word of God's message. They actually heard God speaking through a mouthpiece of uh, that being Paul, a hearing of the ear. Turn to uh, one of the parable chapters, Matthew 13. That is a parable chapter all the way through it. Matthew 13, verse 9. You're familiar with this. He who has ears, let him hear. There's where he's talking about the seed falling on the good soil and yielding the crop a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Of course, most of the people had ears. Most of them would hear, but he's saying really hear, right? To what I'm saying. Right. Right. Uh, Mark 4.24 Gospels. Again. And he was saying to them, Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure will be measured to you, and more will be given you besides. Take care what you listen to. Matter of fact, not only are we are to hear the, the good things, the gospel, but be careful about other things that you listen to, right? So, there it's. Really well listening. Hearing versus listening. Very good. Because hearing is a physical process. Listening is a cognitive process where you you hear with your ears, you listen with your brain. And that's a good point right there because that's really added. Because it's really it's it's talking about entering the mind. It's it's in your thinking here, and it's going to go from the thinking to the heart. To the heart. That. That, of course, is going to be the next one. So, yeah, that was a very, very good point. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Lots turning to Scriptures tonight here, hopefully. Everybody's familiar with this? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears, their hearing, from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So, they're uh, a warning to all that, uh, that's, of course, that's what always happens. People would rather turn from sound doctrine in their, I guess you could say, than their fleshly thinking and uh, have the kind of hearing that's more palatable to them, right? Turn to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Concerning Him, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. 
there again, that that's, explains it, doesn't it? Either were to be sharp in the hearing, or in this case, they become dull of hearing. Um, I guess you could say their slowness, um, lethargic in, in their hearing, this not really hearing what they really needed to hear. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians 15. That's the resurrection chapter. There it's speaking of the gospel. It starts off in the first three verses. And we get that word received here. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul had received that. And in Galatians, I might look that up a little bit later, I think it's in chapter 1. Paul is the one, he had received it not from men, but he received it straight from God, didn't he? So whenever he brought the Word of God, it was coming from a God and not from men. Um, would you say that Paul was a mouthpiece for God? God doesn't speak audibly here, but He has written His Word. He wants people to know who He is. The way that He's chosen it, He could have done it where He you know, comes up to our ear and just whispers in it. You know, or, or he could use some kind of a stereo speaker and speak to us that way or however way. But he has chosen it through the written Word of God, through the power of God's Spirit. We can understand that. That's what he's chosen to do in, in revealing who he is for uh, the, the biggest way. And he uses men to write this down and to preach it. Now, that's incredible. It's God's Word, but yet He uses individuals. He uses people. He uses men. to. In, he, he, the Word is inspired. And they write down, and not in an automatic way, not as robots. He uses their personality. He uses their very way of, of, of speaking. He uses who they are, and yet it's His very Word and it never gets in any kind of error. That's an incredible thought, isn't it? That's almost as incredible as the Incarnation. Here's God speaking to us using man. It comes straight through man and man can will make errors. But in this case, he can't. And he can only write down what God wanted him to, but yet he's putting down in the way that he is trained and the way that he thinks and the way that he's formed. After all, God is the one who formed that person anyway and gave that person that personality and that will and desire. So if he's God's mouthpiece, he continues to say that over and over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, same chapter. Look at verse 2. 1 Thessalonians 2, 2. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God. We had the boldness to speak the gospel of God. God is speaking through us. We are the mouthpieces. You heard exactly what is God's gospel. Look in verse 8. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. That backed it up, right? But they imparted the gospel of God. They spoke the word of God. Verse 9. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. He can, he cannot forget about that or dismiss it. He's constantly bringing that forth. You heard us. What we spoke, it wasn't our opinions, our ideas. It was the word of God. Incredible. Chapter 4, verse 15. Sometimes we, we just read this and go right on through it and we kind of miss the wonder of it all. What if you'd been a Thessalonian 
and you'd heard something you'd never ever heard before. And it's just like, boom, the light came on. God's the one who turned the light on. We know He's He's the one who regenerates. He starts it to even do that. He prepares us. But isn't it something that we respond? For this we say to you by the Word of the Lord. We spoke to you, this is what we say to you, the Word of the Lord, that we who are alive, and He starts talking about the rapture. We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep, who have died physically. We say to you, this is not my own idea, my opinion, this is what I'm thinking is going to happen. No, we, we tell you by the word of the Lord. This is from Him. By the way, it was a mystery at that time because mystery is mysterion, which means something that was not known before is now revealed. Mysterion. That was, that's the meaning of mystery in the, uh, in the Bible. And, and Paul used that uh, a few times. The mystery. One of them is about Christ coming back. And this, this mystery of there's going to be some who are still going to be alive when He comes back. Now, we know. We know that that's going to be us, don't we? Just kidding. We don't know that. I like to think that would be pretty cool, though. Wouldn't that be good? Keep looking. Yeah. Right? That would be okay. But if it didn't happen that way, that'd be okay too. Because God's going to do what He's going to do and it's going to be perfect. So, a word heard from us out of God. That's, that's the Thessalonians passage in the literal Greek. Uh, it says here, you received the word of God which you heard from us. The literal, a word heard from us out from God. So, you heard from us the word of God. They didn't hear it from anybody else. It was ours as to speaking. It was God's as to the source, right? It was our mouths speaking, but He's the source. It was God's Word that we spoke. Now think about that. As He tells them, you know, we take it so... I think I take it, I won't say we, I'll say it nonchalantly. Sometimes I, I, I know that, but isn't that a wonder? That God gets through to us by His very Word Every word of it. It's all inspired. Theonoustos, right? God breathed. God breathed. So Paul says, when, he, when, when we spoke to you Thessalonians, we spoke God's Word inspired. Paul is, is a tool of God of how He gets that Word to Him. They didn't hear some voice, but they heard in their ear, but they heard the very word from God. Now there's a sense where you know God was speaking to them there, but he used that that voice of Paul's and and, and he wrote down God's word. Boy, how important it is that we have this privilege to carry with us, have with us all day long, every day, anywhere. If you have a New Testament or on the phone or whatever, it's it's always around us, isn't it? How incredible is that? And most generations have not had anywhere near that kind of privilege. Uh, Acts 8.14 Acts 8.14 We're on the idea of receiving the Word of God, right? Acts 8.14 Now when the apostles in Jerusalem... Okay, they're in Jerusalem. Then the Gospel is to go forth from Jerusalem, Judea, to where? To Samaria. Samaria is not too far out yet. Matter of fact, it's in the region of of what we think of Israel. Um, but these are the Samaritans. These are the ones the Jews never accepted, and the Samaritans didn't accept the Jews, right? They were half breeds and whatever. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem, these are the first, you know, I mean, the very anchor heard that Samaria had what? Received the Word of God. How often do we see this phrase, Word of God? We're only going to touch on just a brief amount of them tonight. Receive the Word of God. They sent them Peter and John. Okay, those would be apostles in Jerusalem. And they're going to go verify that what, what has happened in Samaria 
is true. And then the Samaritans then are going to be verified that what um, what the apostles are are true. They're going to be both verified to each other. God uses that. But it's because they received the Word of God. And so the apostles say, and there's Peter and John, let's go, let's go check this out. Where are they at? In Samaria. Are you kidding me? In Samaria? Oh, Jesus did say, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. You mean the Word of God now has gone there? That had to be exciting. And they found out, yeah, the Word of God had been there. They received it. That's still that Word that we're talking about. Um, so these preachers, they preach the Word of God. Somebody did. Acts 13.44. We're still on receiving, aren't we? 13.44. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city... I think we're at Antioch here. Assembled. Look at this. To hear the Word of the Lord. That's interesting. I don't know if it says nearly the whole city. Is that uh, a way of saying you should have been, you should have been at the fair. You should have, you, man, all of Jeff City was there. Well, it doesn't say all of, it says the, the, nearly the whole city. What it is, is a huge, huge crowd. They must have packed the place. They assembled to hear the word of the Lord. What a blessing that had happened. Remember, they didn't have TV back then. They were, they were looking for... Ah, didn't have other things to take them from, yeah. So, of course, the Jews were jealous, filled with that, and started contradicting Paul. But isn't that incredible? It just, you know, the church started and all of a sudden they came there to hear this word of the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.16 um, Of course, this is a, an automatic when you're talking about the Word of God. Paul writes to Timothy, All Scripture is inspired by God. Theonoustos. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And that's why it's it's to 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 equip us, right? And to do all of those things, and yeah, we have to be in it. We have to, we have to, we have to be reading ourselves. We have to be hearing it taught and preached, and it's a constant thing uh, because we have many enemies that will come up against it. Yeah, I think most people get offended if you do try to reproof it because they don't know what it says. If you know what the word says, and somebody comes up and mentions it to you, that's. Doesn't take much when you go, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and you kind of pull back. Speaking my lingo. Yeah. That's the 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 Chapter 2. These these are always good scriptures to have too when people say, well, you know, we can't say that all of the Bible is inspired by God. And of course you read in Timothy where it absolutely is saying that. Um, then people will say, well, you know, it's, it's still written by men. You know, men wrote that, right? But in verse 20 it says, but know this first of all. Here's the importance of this. That no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. The apostles didn't write something down because they just felt like writing something down that came from their own ideas, their own interpreting. For no prophecy, no Word of God, was ever made by an act of human will. Boy, is this explicit, huh? But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The Word of God is breathes out and we can see here that 
it's spoken from God. Men are moved by God. Probably that word for moved, I think, is like a, a sailboat that's filled. Uh, it has its sails filled with the wind, and they, the sailboat moves along. Uh, in this case, these men were uh, filled with the Spirit of God. And, of course, they spoke from God. So that the messengers there that uh, got the literal word, and, of course, they, they wrote this. It's not by human will, is it? Not written by, by humans in that sense, even though they wrote it down. So there's the idea of received, and it kind of uh, works together with the next phrase there. The Word of God, which you heard from us. You Here's the Word of God. They had to hear it. You accepted it. And they accepted it not as the Word of men, but what, I like this, what it really is. The Word of God. <laughs> uh, God's Word just bears witness to God's Word. Yeah. yeah. Accepted. They accepted it. Not only did they hear it, they accepted it. And this is an inward thing here. This is with the heart. And, it, and it's a welcoming. You know, it's it's a receiving and bringing it it on in. It's like I said earlier. It's like from the mind to the heart now. Yeah, you you, be, you become convinced. It, it it now goes here, and this would uh, would be salvation. This would be the conversion here. This would be where your Acts 17 um, is is happening. Some of them were, were persuaded, it says. Joined Paul, joined Silas, along with a great multitude of God-fearing Greeks and a number of leading women. So, well, what was that? Well, people got converted. Romans 10.17, an often quoted verse. But, uh, well, it should be. Because this is how God has chosen to reveal Himself, who He is. So faith comes from hearing, and we've just been talking about it, and hearing by the Word of Christ. Hearing about Christ. Christ crucified. Uh, Messiah. That's how He has chosen to do it. Of course, to the Corinthians, Paul used it as this foolishness, in quotes, right? foolishness to, to men. That's how God has done it. It's not just some other human messenger. It's not some philosopher that has come from Athens. Uh, some other teacher. Some religious leader. Uh, some kind of a great speaker. A great orator. Uh, somebody with great rhetoric. Uh, human wisdom. Um, human opinion. It's, you know Those viewpoints. He says it's, it's not that. It was not the Word of man, but it was the Word of God. He keeps saying that you accepted it not as the Word of men. But, okay, where did he receive it at? He received it. Go to uh, Galatians 1. Verse 11, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Of course, that was a specific way that God revealed Himself to Paul there. God can do that. But um, still, he was he was taught by God all along, um, and we know the apostles had really nothing to do with teaching him any of this. It was straight from God. Of course, that uh, whole context right on through the rest of this chapter. That's what the way that, that Paul did. How do you think that went down? Do you think that God was impressed upon him certain? Way of seeing things, or yeah, I know. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked that works still, but there's still there. For, 
for you to be able to bring forth a thought, you have to have, you know, there has to be a Well, it's kind of like, uh, like the, that's the inspiration that's coming from God that's upon that writer. But he had to study, too. And we know he went out um, where he was at a place where he could devote all of his time to what this all means. And that's where he searched the Scriptures that were already written, that being the Old Testament. And then, of course, like God was, taught him so through those scriptures like in his mind. Going back through that, and then as he was going through it, he was giving the aha. The aha. Right. And there were times where God did specifically reveal himself through the person of Christ, where uh, I think three times that we see the testimony of, that Paul talks about. And so, you know, of course, he was um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he even was caught up to the third heaven. So, you know, Paul um, makes it very clear that anyone who reads what he wrote, they are hearing the very echo of you know, whether it be what he preached, the understanding that this being the, uh, the Word of God. He, he got it straight from God. And he says what it really is, the Word of God, for what it really is, for what it, the Word there truly is. You might have that in translation. The Word is... Um, Alethos. Alethos is deal, means truth, uh, genuine. So that's that's what they uh, they did. They knew it was not from the word of men, but it was word of God. How how would we know that? You know, if we'd never ever heard about Christ at all, it was not in our culture at all, and then boom, this happens. That has to be a supernatural work, doesn't it? And you know that what that man is speaking is not just a word from men. So we go to the third one after they have accepted the word. Yeah, it's it's the very it's our own conversion, isn't it? And we see that this this is the very work of God. The work in the word. And then what happened is that they applied the word of God. When one re- hears it and receives it, they then apply it, and it's God working in us. And then we work it out. The Word of God is not empty, is it? The Word of God is not impotent, is it? It's very powerful. Two-edged sword, matter of fact. What a statement. Which also performs its work in you who believe. Isn't that an amazing statement? And a key word there is uh, work. It performs its work in you. The word is inner guy. Guess what? Have we heard that one before? We get our word energy or power or work used in the New Testament. Almost always it's a supernatural action. And most often, that, of course, that's God's supernatural action. Uh, I can think of there, it produces obedience. Um, one of them. This is Jesus. Now, this is where He actually spoke audibly. Jesus is walking on earth. Jesus is not walking on earth today, but he, um, of course, he lives. But he's working through the church today, and uh, we are the ones who give the word of God to people. Isn't that amazing? Mark three one through five. You have a miracle here. He entered again into the synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would uh, heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up, come forward. What does the man do? He got up and came forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or do harm or on the Sabbath to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. That's probably wise. (laughs) After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. What's the man do? Stretch out his hand. He stretched it out. His hand was restored. Jesus told him what to do. He did it. Obedience. He just did it. Um, that's what happens when God saves us. That obedience is uh, immediately done here. Uh, although that's done in an outward way, we can't see the inward work. So we we get to see an outward work here. Of course, Christ uses that 
as an illustration of something even deeper there. Um, but anyway, go to Philippians uh, 2.13. One so often used. Verse 12 helps qualify that. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there's the work that we do. Work it out. For it is God who has who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You have a working out. You have a working in. He works it in us, and we work it out. We produce it. We obey. That's how it works. I, those two verses really make a lot of sense of what our lives are about as we live here on earth right now. He's working in us. We work it out. His power is there. We are to bear fruit, to show it outwardly, uh, to do it. We are bearing His His name, His light. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6, dealing with gifts there. 1 Corinthians 12, 6. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons, He works all things in all the, all the believers. He's the one working all things. Supernatural God of the universe is working in little old me. <laughs> How amazing is that? Truly, Tremendous. We are a redeemed community of people. It's called the church. We should be thrilled at the fact that we heard the Word, we received the Word, not the Word of men. It's been We took it into our hearts because of God with His power of the Holy Spirit doing that and performing in us. And He's working in us in an effective, efficient way. Productively, supernaturally. You have the supernatural God in your soul. Wow. That's one of the great truths of, of Christian life. The Word of God works in us. It performs effectively, effectually, efficiently, productively. Powerfully, isn't it? So what we're going to do is take the last six minutes here and cover a lot of verses. This is what ignites me. And I look at these verses and I get reminded. So all I'm going to do is remind you these. You've probably read these verses many times. But here's what the Word is doing in you tonight. If you're listening to the Word, here's what's happening to us right now. In the believer, there are glorious things going on in us that will someday show forth fruit. Maybe not now. You know, you, you, you put the seed out. I've been putting a lot of grass seed because I have a lot of bare spots all over the yard. And it, it looked worse a week ago and two weeks ago. It's looking better. It's still not there yet. But even though I'm the one who threw the seed, and even though I had the seed there, and I, I put it in the spot, and I go along and water it, um, there's no life there to that seed Except for, where's that life come from? Right. God has to do something for that to really happen because that seed is really nothing in itself. And it performs some things that are just amazing. So, well, that wasn't there. Even yesterday, That I didn't see that. And now it's it's up a little bit. It's It's encouraging. And the same thing happens to us. Sometimes we don't see what's going on, but weeks or months later or years later, what we have read now becomes part of our lives. And you could probably start going over some of those things. Sometimes it's really nice to hear from somebody else of saying, hey, did you, you know, remember when we prayed this or you were talking about this? And I, I don't know if you noticed, but look what God has done in that area. Yeah, it's encouraging. Of people we know that we've been praying for and such, right? All right, the word performs, so we count on that word to do that. Okay, you guys ready? First Peter one twenty three. First thing that the word of God does, it starts with salvation, doesn't it? If we're not saved, uh, word of God is not going to do anything to us. I mean, I mean, until God saves us. One twenty three. 
For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. What, what do you mean? Well, that is through the living and enduring Word of God. Huh. We're saved because of that. Look in James 1.18. Ah. James 1.18. In the exercise of His will, I love this. <laughs> I love sovereign grace passages. <laughs> In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth. How? By the Word of truth. That is how we became born again. He planted the seed in us. It was the Word of God, the Word of truth. So that we would be kind of first fruits among His creatures. So there's salvation. Go to Luke 11.28. Luke 11.28. It also not only gives us salvation, but gives us blessing, but He said, on the contrary, blessed are those who, what? Hear the Word of God and, what? Observe it. Do it. You hear it, you do it. And you're blessed. I take that as a promise. And he says, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and observe it. Um, okay, the Second Timothy 3.16, we're already covered. Um, Word of God teaches us, it reproves us, corrects us, trains us up in righteousness, right? So that's some of the things that the Word of God is doing to us tonight. It's teaching us. We're being taught. We're proving us. Correcting us. Training us. How about guide us? Psalm 119.105. Anybody know that? Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, remember the song, right? Uh, Psalm 119. Of course, uh, I borrow a lot from Psalm 119 because that's obvious why I would be borrowing from that, right? It's all about the Word of God. Every verse of it. Every phrase of it. Psalm 119.24. What do we have? Your testimonies also are my delight. Testimonies of the Word of God. They are my counselors. That's where we get our counsel really from. And anybody who counsels, they use the Word of God. That's the only kind of counseling that we need. We don't need any kind of psychological counseling if it's outside the Word or some kind of new technique that seems to be offered. It might be something that is something that rises quickly and goes away. It's man-focused. This is the Word of God. That is what will be, bring freshness to our spirits. And getting counseled. Uh, that's our delight, isn't it? You yeah, remember, Alan. You remember back in the day, and I think this still is going on, but I, I haven't heard it in a while, but the big thing was venting. You need to go oh. to your, your shrink and vent. <laughs> and and, I, yeah. and I, always, I was always amazed at that because there's a proverb that says that a fool vents his... his <laughs> <laughs> and so the Word of God says yeah. this. So who came up with that thought? Well, that's man's idea. Get it out. Yeah, go go on and um, you know punch your fist into the wall. Whatever it takes to get it out of you, right? But well, think about it. You go to a psychologist's office and you sit there and you tell you, you tell them you know what I hate my brother, and now you're you're working that out in your heart. Whereas it was a seed before. Now you turn it into a into a, a sin and outwards. Now you're mm. building the logic of why right. you hate him so much, so you can bear it in deeper inches to remember why you don't like him. A friend who's psychologist told her to quit her job, divorce her husband, and have more sex, and she'd be happy. And she did all of that. Is she happy now? She says she is. How fulfilling! But there's a difference between <laughs> happiness and joy. You know, it's like. Yeah. Well, you know, counsel, it really comes from the Word of God. I don't know how many times I've had people come up and say, hey, do you know a counselor that, that uh, we can go to, that I can go to, or whatever? And uh, I'd say, well, you know, the Word of God right here, would you, would you like to talk about it? Let's, well, we really need somebody professional. Where did they get that idea? And now I hear pastors that say, I'm not a counselor. Um, I'll tell you, I'll recommend you to uh, a professional uh, psychologist. And he's a Christian counselor. We, you know, by the way, we are all counselors. It's not just the pastor who's the counselor. 
it's if we are in the Word of God, we are to use that. And if somebody has, they have a problem, or they they need to get something dealt with, and say, well, okay, here's where this says this. You have a trouble with anger, okay? Like like you said back there, we, we don't want to vent it. Here's what we do. Don't let it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You start thinking some passages there, but go to the Proverbs where it talks about anger, and then say, but you have. All, if you're a Christian, you have all the power that you need to be able to deal with anger because we all have to deal with anger. Some are worse than others in it, but we all have that problem. What do we do with that? And we look at the Scriptures and say, or if I don't know the passage of the time, hey, listen, I'll be glad to get back with you. Can I call you tomorrow night or whatever? Um, anger is uh, self-loathing, really? Because it's all about power. It's self, isn't it? And if you're not, and somebody was angry, and you tell them, you know, to go to the Bible, and then they turn around and kill three people, then you're liable for that. And exactly. That's exactly what happened to John MacArthur back years ago, um, and a guy committed suicide. Yeah, I remember that. Remember that? that whole story and of course he got taken to court uh, the beauty of it is is that after years and I think it went on and uh, it might have been 10 years right and finally uh, he won but it was because um, you know he had counseled him he never counseled him to commit suicide obviously but the things that you know he brought forth was was truth out of the Word of God, and I've heard of pastors right here in town who who preach the Word of God. They will not counsel anybody because they didn't take counseling in college and in seminary, and so therefore they're not equipped enough. And I'm going, oh my, that's a sad. Professional, a licensed professional counselor were to counsel this same person, and they went out and committed suicide. Oh well, they're not at fault. But they have a degree. They yeah, have right. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a whole that's, why, that's what I'm saying. The interference of government and all this, just the preponderance of, of the intrusion of government, I guess, into medical care. Oh, don't get me started. Yeah, the, whole, the whole leftist idea that you have to have a PhD on your name so that you can give an opinion on whatever thing you're giving an opinion on. So, whether it's what shame on you, shame on you if you tell someone that they can't but be a transvestite. But you can a, be a pop reader. But you can be a pop reader and tell somebody what they should do in your okay, or you can be a psychic and you can tell them what to do. They have no license. But who are you if you have the Bible, right? Yeah. Actually, I'll make one. Yeah, go ahead. In Missouri, you don't have to. You can put out shame that says you're a counselor without having a license or certification. Amazing for Missouri. All right. Of course, you can't say I'm a licensed or certified counselor, but you can put a, I can put a shop up and say Christian counselor. But that's the exception, is it? Uh, well, I don't know what the other states say, but I know in Missouri, unless they've changed it very recently. I haven't looked at it in a while. Very good. Well, that's that, and that's good to know. And so, don't ever back off of when somebody needs some counseling. I'm preach it to the choir. You know, I know you guys know the same thing, but it's like it, it really irritates me whenever somebody says, "Well, we need counseling, but we need professional counseling." And I'm going, "I'm the, I'm your pastor. Uh, this has happened on many occasions." And I'm going, "What what do you want to hear? What is it that you're after? Do you want God's wisdom on it or do you want some secular source?" And that's usually who they're looking for. The secular source, well, I can tell you 9 times out of 10 anymore, it's shocking, but they'll say, "Get a divorce." What are you echoing over here? I echoing you. What's going on? Okay. Are we thinking like what's it? Okay. Uh, Psalm 119, 154. 154. Not only do we uh, have it to counsel, but plead my cause and redeem me, revive me according to your word. So we get revived. That means sometimes we, what is it, kind of die back? Not die back, but regress. We need to be revived constantly. It's like a drink of water. The word of God is a drink of water, isn't it? Um, it bear, bears fruit, Colossians 1, 5 through 6, all the prayer that's said there. Uh, it grows us, 1 Peter 2, 2, like the, the milk 
you know, is to a, a baby. Mm-hmm. The Word of God is. I'm not going to get through all of these, but that's Psalm 119. If you go through that whole psalm, and I actually read it, uh, was it Saturday morning? I read the whole thing. <laughs> it's just like, who, who was it that was... That, Mark Dever. It was Mark Dever who, yeah. who, who read the whole thing. Yeah. Sure Jay Ligon Duncan was saying, yeah. he's going to read the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> psalm 119? I'm impressed. That wouldn't be a bad one to do. I would be more likely to maybe do Psalm 19. The first six verses are about um, revelation that we see in the sky, you know. And then verse 7 is about the direct revelation uh, through the Word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? It restores the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You see the benefits of everything? The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. Of course, you go on through that. That whole psalm is about uh, the works of God and His creation. and it tells He's telling of Himself. And then how He... Um, Directly shows through his through his word there, uh, all of Psalm 19 and uh, Psalm 119. Um, Thy word is truth. Of course, the 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 truth will set you free, right? It frees us. Um, how about the word sanctifies us? John 17:17. 17, 17. It's Thy Word that does that. It purges us. John 15.3 about, I am the vine, you are the branches, where He uh, has to clip off. Uh, purge there to do a, a cleansing uh, so that it will bear more fruit. Uh, oh, Psalm 119, verse 28. I'm skipping, skipping a lot of these. It, um, these are kind of the ones that you want to, before you go to bed tonight, get a chance just to go over a few of these. Boy, it brings great encouragement. I was greatly encouraged as I was reading through this. My soul weeps because of grief. That means you get weakened. Strengthen me according to your what? Word. We all need to get strengthened. We all need to get revived. How do we do it? The Word of God. Wisdom, obviously. Prosperity, you know, as he spoke to to Joshua, hope. Uh, Psalm 19 summarized the the whole thing. Because uh, it's a people here to be glad for, as Paul was, because they received the word. It performs in them all these things that we just read here. Um, it's not the word of human beings. It's the very power of God. It's not because of how brilliant some man may be, no matter how educated, how astute, how wise they are, how eloquent they are. They cannot produce any of these results that we saw. Salvation, blessing, the teaching, the guiding, the counseling, the reviving, the bearing fruit. No matter how great of a counselor they are and how proven they have been professionally, they can't do any of these things. It's the power of of God that does that. That's what performs in us to those who believe. Uh, the joy, the strengthening, the wisdom, the prosperity, the rewards, the warnings, all the things that, that grow us, bears fruit. Spiritual progress, where does it come from? It's a result of receiving the Word of God. And uh, so we want to believe it and then appropriate it to work it out. And it's an experience. We can say it actually does happen. Every one of us, we're believers, we can say the Word of God is amazing. I know He's worked in us. I'm not so sure exactly what, but I know He's done something. It's an ongoing transforming power. It doesn't stop with salvation, does it? It's going on right now. So where there is belief, there is power happening. There's an energy. There's an a electrical, uh, in, uh, I believe, energy that is happening in the sense of God's energy. 
So anyway, that's just a little bit about that verse there, and just wanted to share how encouraging it was as I as I read Psalm 119 and Psalm 19 and all those other passages. Uh, it is the Word of God. Yeah. Right. Yes, you can. Absolutely. Go with it. Well, you mentioned the parable of the, of the sowers, and I was reading in Luke, and that's at Luke 8. And at the very end of the parable of the soil, of the sower, so very end of that parable, says, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. And then there's a, a little uh, note here with patience that says in due time and the, the reason that encouraged me is because I, I would read about these fruits of the spirit or or even you know about what the word of God for this whole list here um, and think after all these years how much of that has really grown in me and it does say to keep it to keep the word to observe it to keep it to do it and it will bring forth fruit in due time. It doesn't mean instantly. And that was encouraging to me. It's like, okay. It I is just, doing so. It is doing so. And it's not going to be instant. Because I've got, now I've got like 57 years to. That's <laughs> 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 funny you should say. Very well. Because Pastor Mark and I were talking about exactly that thing today. Because um, I, I was telling him how I just felt like right now I wasn't bearing fruit and and he said exactly that he said there are seasons and to not get discouraged about it and, and that that was very uplifting and I got to thinking about it but, you know it's absolutely right yeah I like that so yeah, yeah. yeah. a tree during the winter time it's not doing anything. Yeah. It's no leaves or anything. It doesn't look like it's doing anything. But it's getting ready. It's going to be bigger, much bigger that next spring, that spring and then through the summer than it ever was the year before. But, but in due time. And, and it's perseverance. We're going to bear fruit, but it's going to be with perseverance. And it's not going to be in our timing. But you're right. That, it, it, but that's encouraging, isn't it? Just because we can't see it right now doesn't mean it's not happening. One thing I'm just going to comment on is Psalm 118 is actually my favorite psalm, believe it or not. And no, I don't have it memorized. Um, but for as much as I've read it, and I know this has happened to everybody, you've probably read through a scripture verse time and time and time again, and then suddenly it just hits you out of the blue with something that hasn't hit you before. And I was telling Leanna about it this week. Verse 33 to 40 of Psalm 119, I was reading it, and it just hit me and I was so dumbstruck by when I was reading it about how it revealed the psalmist's dependence on God even to do all those things in that in that section that are good like he's saying teach me the way of your statutes give me understanding lead me in the path of your commandments incline my heart your testimonies were dependent on him even for those things that are good because without him we wouldn't know what's good make me walk in the yeah, path yeah absolutely that's a good thing yeah make and, me walk in it and i've read that i don't know how many times and it just struck me how i mean i know we're dependent on him but even for such good things we wouldn't recognize them as good it's mm -hmm. not in our nature i right mm -hmm. right without him showing it to us yeah and and that comes out so clearly in those seven or eight verses. Oh, that's, a, that's great. Establish. Uh, turn turn me away. Yeah. Uh, and confirm your Revive me. To me turn away the reproach that I dread. Here's what I want you to do. I mean, those are all action words, aren't they? Yes, they this are. This is what I want you to do in me, Lord. Because it's not natural for me to do this. I'm depending totally on you to do this. It's His work. Right. Yeah, that bent yeah. we talked about. <laughs> bent me, bent me that way. Yeah. Right. Thank you, guys. That's that's very, very, very good. That's uh, on our own <coughs> own testimonies as we go back, and then we can say, yeah, this is what happens.
My favorite thing about what Audrey was talking about, though, you go through those long, long times, and then a while ago, what you're talking about the prayers that you've said for people, and all of a sudden, they, you find out that these little trails for people that you, for years and years ago, you're like, yeah, I remember, I prayed for so-and-so, and all of a sudden, you find out, oh, they've been believers for years and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and you were in on that, and then you find out connections of what God was doing from somebody else to somebody else, and you go, Oh, I didn't see it, but that's what you. But that's what he's been doing. Only oh, God can do that. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, okay, you're working there. Even when I thought, like I said, it maybe it was a dry time or something like that, and it's like it's not. We don't have any idea mm-hmm. how much it's work he is doing. Fifteen, twenty years ago, maybe something that he has been doing all that time. And you thought you were like, well, I thought I was kind of around there. How come I didn't ever know that about that? And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, I got it. Yeah. There you are again. Powerful. Bob, could you lead us in? Lord with the Lord. I bet you have a verse there. Hey, Dennis. Remember one more about the kid I was talking about I went to high school with? And we went and looked him up. I was a pastor now. I was like, okay, yeah. Somebody was like, yeah, yeah. It was just funny, you know, just things like that. Oh, okay. Never would have known. Yeah, 40 years later. 40 years later, yeah. Wow. Heavenly Father, you are... You are the vine, we're your branches. You are the shepherd, we're your sheep. And uh, you are the the word, and we are the hearers. Lord, give us ears to hear. And uh, the Lord bless us and keep us. Lord, make his face to shine upon us, be gracious to us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've been blessed. Very good. Thank you, guys. Thank you.